Hello, brethren. Brother Bob here again. This is part two of my podcast on fake news in the church. When I say fake news in the church, I mean the practice of Bible teachers teaching stuff as being the truths of God's word, when in all actuality, what they are teaching is either not biblically true or biblically accurate. Sadly, because spiritual discernment is so lacking in the church, most believers do not see that they are being fed fake news. One of the main reasons why spiritual discernment is lacking in today's believers is that they are believing what their shepherds are teaching them without ever questioning them. In some of my previous podcasts, I told you that certain popular teachings in the church today, like teaching that it is a sin for a Christian to drink alcohol, is fake church news. And teaching you that you must tithe, you know, that's a teaching that believers must give 10% of, of their earnings to the church, that's also fake church news. I also taught you that the concept that all believers should speak in a tongue is also fake church news. I also taught you that the idea that believers must receive a second or maybe a third Holy Spirit baptism for numerous reasons that I do not want to get into right now is also fake church news. In part one of my podcast about fake church news, I told you that this idea that all believers can get complete victory over their sin nature is also fake church news. I also told you that the concept that the Holy Spirit or God or Christ will fight all the church believers' spiritual battles is also fake church news. The idea that we already have the victory in Christ is fake church news. And I'll talk about this more later on, but the only victory we have in Christ is the victory that he accomplished over death for us at Calvary. Brethren, there's a lot of fake church news going on out there today. A lot of churches that were very biblical just a few years back have compromised their views and now accept all aspects of the homosexual behavior. They say it's okay. We have to love them and tolerate them because that's what Christ would do. That's a, that's fake news. A lot of churches that were very biblical just a few years back and stood up for the unborn are now putting their blessing on murdering the unborn. A lot of churches that were very biblical just a few years back today have all kinds of genders and sexual diverse people as leaders in their churches. That's just wrong. Now, a lot of the fake news that is being accepted today is being accepted because it sounds all pious and righteous. After all, it sounds all pious and righteous to preach that it's a sin for God's people to partake of the devil's brew, which is alcohol. I guess the believers who believe this are just not sure how to use self-control, which is the fruit of the Spirit. However, it is very important to understand that the truths of God's Word are not determined by what we humans think or feel is pious or righteous, no matter how good they sound. Remember, the only way to determine if what you are teaching is the truth of God, that truth that you're sharing must be clearly found in the Scriptures. And not only must that truth be clearly found in the Bible, it must be a truth that is clearly intended for the church age. There are a lot of churches that have gone off the rails spiritually because even though they are teaching, quote, quote, biblical truth, the truth they are teaching is not for the church age. And by far the, busy, the biggest example of that are all the churches who are foolishly and primarily basing their religious beliefs and doctrines on Acts chapter 2. I did an entire podcast on this topic. Please check it out. The truth will set you free. So in this part 2 of this podcast on fake news in the church, I want to focus on what is not fake news and explain to you what the Bible says about a Christian getting victory over their sins. So let's start with some true news. True news is the opposite of fake news. I want to reiterate that there is not one single believer living on planet Earth who will ever get complete 100% victory over all their sins. Period. 
Now, can a believer get some victories over their sins? Sure, sort of, for a while, maybe. How's that for an evasive answer? I know a few believers who were drunks and drug addicts before they got saved, who were miraculously and permanently delivered from the sins of drunkenness and drug addiction at their conversions. However, this is not the norm. Even if the Lord chooses to supernaturally deliver a believer from a specific sin struggle, like drunkenness, anger, or gluttony, that does not mean that they will be delivered from all their other sin struggles. And just for the record, 99% of new believers will not be miraculously delivered from their drunkenness or drug addiction or jealousy or envy and will instead have to go through the spiritual school of hard knocks as they strive and occasionally stumble through the process of overcoming the sins that defeat them. 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 11. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. See that? Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Timothy teaches these things and insists that everyone learn them. As a believer matures in the Lord and learns God's word and practices those truths that they learn in the scriptures, they will get more and more victories over their sins. But not all believers are going to want to grow in the Lord. Brethren, just because somebody's born again, it doesn't mean that they're going to want to be excited about their faith and want to grow and walk with the Lord. I mean, that's obvious. If you know your scriptures, that's obvious. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. I use this verse a lot. The writer is telling the believers there, there's much more I would like to say to you about this, but it is difficult to teach you because you are spiritually dull and don't even seem to listen to what I'm telling you. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. For someone who lives on milk, that's mommy's milk, is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training, that word is practice, 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 have the skill to recognize the differences between right and wrong. Did you see any mention of the word Holy Spirit in those verses? The writer put the responsibility of growing on the believer. Always remember that even though a mature Christian might get victory over the sins of, let's say, drunkenness or jealousy or anger, do not get so prideful so as to think that you can never stumble in those same sins again. And now, not to discourage you even more, but be aware that even on your best day as a growing and maturing believer, please understand that there is no promise from the Lord that once you overcome an old sin habit, it will never, ever rear its ugly head and try to cause you to stumble again. Praise God that we have a Savior who can relate to our sin struggles when He became like us. So when you stumble in sin, confess, repent, and keep moving upward spiritually. Hebrews 12.1, great verse. Since we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, which is referring to Hebrews chapter 11, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and every sin which so easily entangles us. Are you getting what's being said here? The sin which so easily entangles us. This verse does not say the sin which can never entangle us again because we have victory over it. The sin which easily entangles us can be any sin. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, the Apostle Paul is speaking. He says, For I'm, I'm jealous for you Corinthians with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ, but I fear that somehow your pure an undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunningness of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than one we preach, or a different kind of spirit, 
than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Brethren, just because you're a believer doesn't mean you can't be misled or deceived. So as I said before, 99% of new believers will not get an easy, immediate victory over a specific sin. And again, trust me, there is no magical, mystical, altar call event that is going to deliver you from your sin struggles. Now that does not mean that church leaders or brothers and sisters in Christ should not pray for you. And that does not mean that you should never share your sin struggles with your leaders in the church. I'm simply saying that there is no fast food fix for all of our sin struggles that will be delivered to you at some altar call. Now, can lives be changed at an altar call? Sure, I guess. I know people can be revived, but it doesn't mean that it takes away their sin nature. They're going to be revived to the same sin nature they had two weeks before they went to that revival. Brethren, we are in a spiritual war, and the war is not limited to demonic realms. If you are choosing to genuinely walk in accordance to God's truths, you already know that there is also a spiritual war going on in your mind. Part of your mind wants to put your Savior first in all that you do, but another part, a part deep down on the altar of your heart, wants to serve self first. That's your sin nature. The Lord is quite aware of that war, and He expects His children to strive to put Him first, even when a part of them does not want to. The Apostle Paul knew of this war. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I don't always do it. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do the right things, but I do the wrong things. But if I'm the one doing it, then it's really not me. It's my sin nature living inside of me. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, quite often I do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another part of me with full of power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Now sadly, because most believers are ignorant of the Greek language, I need to interject that the Apostle Paul, a brilliant man by the way, who knew the Greek upside down, inside and out, wrote these words in the present tense, not in the past tense. He didn't do that by accident. So do not let fake news teachers try and tell you that Paul was speaking of the days before he got saved. It seems to me that the good Lord wants his children to be in that spiritual battle that goes in not just in the demonic realm, but also in our mind. He wants us to grow up and to strive to walk by faith and to continue to choose and fight and resist our sinful flesh, while at the same time fighting the demonic realm as they strive to destroy God's word. So as believers, we have a battlefront on two sides. There's two fronts for us. One is out in the spiritual realm, and what is in our inner self. And that battle's not going to go away until we get to the other side. Brethren, as you share quite often, our Heavenly Father is not shocked or surprised when we sin. Now I share all these things with you because I know that a lot of believers listen and believe these false teachers who tell them that they can be delivered from their sin struggles only to get frustrated and discouraged when this supposed victory over their sinful flesh that they were promised was going to happen never really happens. I see and know believers who week after week, month after month, year after year, year make these treks up to an altar call believing because that's what they were taught that the Lord will somehow supernaturally give them this easy victory over their sin struggles. I know believers who have been living their spiritual lives like they're on a roller coaster for years hoping that one day they will magically receive some imaginary deliverance from their sin struggles. Brethren, that's just not how the Holy Spirit works. The spiritual journey from the newborn believer to the glorified believer in heaven is a long and hard journey if you are truly striving to abide with the Lord. 
1 Corinthians 4.9. Paul's writing, he says, Sometimes I think God has put his apostles on display like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. But you claim to be so wise, you Corinthians. We are weak, you say, but you are so powerful, you claim. You are honored, you say, but we are ridiculed, you say. Even now, we, go, we apostles go hungry and thirsty. We don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. There is no easy path, brethren, to walk to talk. However, if you are truly abiding with Christ, you will grow stronger in the faith and will sin less and less. And as you grow stronger in the faith, you will find that the sins that once easily caused you to stumble no longer so easily cause you to stumble. However, as I have already shared numerous times, do not become so arrogant and prideful in your sin victory that you think you can't stumble again. All believers are only a thought away from going back into the muck and mire of the sins they thought they had overcome. The Bible is clear. If a believer says they have no sin, they are lying. And they are deceiving themselves, and the truth of God is not in them. And that's what the Bible says. See, 1 John chapter 1, 8 and 10. That, my friend, is true news. Sadly, I know that there are many in the church who truly believe that they conquered their sinful flesh because they no longer struggle with sins like drunkenness or adultery or greed or envy, who simply refuse to see that the sins of favoritism or unteachability or gossip or timidity are sins that they're waddling in at the very moment. God's people need to understand and accept that as long as we are living our lives this side of paradise, with our imperfect bodies, with a sin-cursed flesh, we are never going to get 100% victory over our sin nature. Never. That, my friend, is true news. Even on our best walking with the Lord Christian day, sin can rear its ugly head in a moment and cause us to stumble. Again, that, my friend, is true news. I've been in my car driving along, listening to Christian music, and occasionally talking to the Lord, thanking Him for all my blessings, and bang, some fool cuts me off. I'm sure you've all been there. Sadly, the first words out of my mouth are not normally, thank you, Lord, for teaching me patience. Because of the biblical ignorance, many in the church try to merge Christ's victory over death with an imaginary victory over our sin nature. 1 Corinthians 15:54. death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of the law is sin. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sadly, many in the church misinterpret these verses and teach that what's being taught in these verses is that the believer not only gets a complete victory over death, but also over their sin nature when they get saved. That is fake news. The only immediate and complete victory that a believer gets when they first get born again is a victory over the fear of dying, i.e. the sting of death. Knowing that their faith in the gospel of Christ has delivered them from an endless suffering spent in the fires of hell. Again, that's true news. Christ's sacrifice at Calvary did not deliver a believer from the consequences of having to live in these sin-cursed bodies. Again, that's true news. Christ's sacrifice at Calvary allowed any human who believes to be eternally delivered from the eternal damnation of hell. That is the death victory that verses in 1 Corinthians speak of. Brethren, the truth is that Christ's sacrifice does not deliver believers from physical death. 
Ananias and Sapphira sure don't believe that. Listen, all born-again believers are going to have to go through the earthly process of dying unless they get raptured up. Faith in Christ does not deliver any believer from physical death. Faith in the gospel of Christ delivers the believer from eternal death, i.e. eternal separation from God. That, my friend, is true news. A true born-again believer need never fear ever ending up in hell. When Christ was hanging on those spikes and paying for mankind's sins, he was paying off the hell debt that all humans deserve. Christ's death at Calvary was not delivering people from their sin nature. Brethren, you need to believe that there is not one shred of biblical truth in the concept that Christ's sacrifice at Calvary purchased a believer a complete victory over their sinful flesh struggles. That concept is absolutely fake news. So just how does a believer get victory over their sins, their sinful flesh? If I want to be practical, my best answer for you is by physically dying. Once you're out of your sin-cursed fleshly body, there are no more sin struggles. Brother Bob, are you telling me that suicide is a good way to get victory over my sinful flesh? Suicide would deliver you from having to live in that sin-cursed body. But the issue as I see it with suicide is that you would step into eternity and, you're, and face your Heavenly Father, and He would ask you, just what have you done for me? You see, the Bible says that the whole eternal kingdom system is a place established for God's faithful children. The Lord establishes heaven and kingdom to honor and reward His faithful, pleasing children. Now, I don't want to sound too judgmental, but I just don't see the righteous heavenly honor in committing suicide for the purpose of avoiding being in the spiritual battle that the Lord wants all His children to be involved with. The biblical teaching on the bride of Christ clearly shows that only those children of God that love the Lord, those who he deems faithful, will be part of the heavenly wedding to Christ. So that means that once a lost person becomes a child of God, the Lord has lots of stuff that he wants his new child of the faith to do for him. The church needs to wrap their head around the biblical concept that the Lord is not simply looking to add more children to the family of God. Our heavenly Father seeks to add faithful children to his heavenly realm. So I shared all that to tell you that committing suicide to avoid having to live out your earthly life struggle with your sin nature would not be an eternally wise thing to do. No, committing suicide is not a righteous way to avoid dealing with your sinful flesh. Do you want to know what delivers the born-again believers from the sins they commit after they're born again? The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ doesn't deliver us from our sin nature. It just delivers us from the consequences of our sin behaviors. Again, the best place to see this is in 1 John chapter 1, verses 6-9. But there's, a great, there's some great verses there. But it says, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. But wait a minute, Brother Bob. I thought we were cleansed from all our sins when we got born again. You were only cleansed from those sins as far as your hell debt was concerned. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And that verse in Romans 6.23 was written to believers. It's a warning. To keep believers from wallowing in their sin. That verse in Romans is just applicable today as it was 2,000 years ago. The sin cleansing power of the blood of Christ does not end when we get born again. Sadly, there are many in the church who foolishly believe and teach that all the earthly sins, past, present, and future, that a believer commits after they are born again were eternally forgiven at Calvary. Really? How did that work out for Ananias and Sapphira? A whole bunch of believers in the carnal Corinthian church were punished unto death by the Lord because they were unrepentantly wallowing in the sins of drunkenness and gluttony during the church fellowship communion time. How does that work out? Again, I want to reiterate, Christ paid off our hell debt at Calvary. That hell debt he paid does not remove 
the earthly consequences of sin that we commit as believers. That's why repentance is so important. Now that you are born again, Christ's blood allows you to be cleansed of those sins you will commit while still alive on planet earth. If you genuinely confess and repent of them. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 17 and 18, beautiful verses. Therefore it was necessary for Christ to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through the suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tempted. Brethren, we have a Savior who can relate to our sin struggles. We have a Savior who is not surprised when God's children sin. We have a Savior who is more than willing to clean up those sins we stumble in. Here's a little side note. There's a big difference between occasionally stumbling in sin and wallowing in sin. Christ is a gracious Savior, but he's not a stupid Savior. Please listen to these next verses very carefully. They are written to and for born-again believers. The doctrine in these verses should scare the bejeebies out of us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 through 31. Dear friends, if we deliberately, we... The man says we who wrote this. That means he's including himself. If we Christians, if we born-again believers deliberately continue sinning after we, after we have received knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice that will cover these sins. That means we can't run and get the blood to cover up unrepentant sins is what he means. There's only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. Yes, God's children can become God's enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy in the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant by which they were sanctified as though it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his people. And it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Those are written to believers, brethren. And as harsh as those words are, our Heavenly Father is not some big fat Buddha God just waiting for his children to screw up so he can squish them. Our God can be a very loving Father. All he asks his children to do is to come to him and admit to him that they sin when they are committing or involved in a sin and then repent, i.e. choose to walk away from that sin and continue on striving to serve the Lord as though nothing has happened. Yes, when God forgives, it is though the sin never happened. Except on rare occasions, like the sin of David and Bathsheba, the Lord does not bring up a repented sin. That's why the Bible says that the sins of a repented believer are as far as the east is from the west. So brethren, I would encourage you to continue to strive to sin less, but don't get discouraged when you do sin. Complete and total victory over our sins is not going to happen until we get our new bodies in heaven. So in the meantime, continue to beat that flesh into submission every day. And you will see yourself becoming more and more victorious over sin. Slowly over time, you will see more and more victories over your rotten flesh. But please, please, please do not get discouraged when you stumble in sin. And maybe even the same sin. That's a part of the spiritual war that our Heavenly Father wants us to be fighting in. But our Heavenly Father is very compassionate. In Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Although your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. Brethren, because of the path of confession and repentance that the Lord's established, 
i.e. sin forgiveness, through the sin-cleansing power of the blood of Christ, we can stand before our Heavenly Father in this life and in the next life and be seen by Him as being holy, blameless, and upright in spite of our sin nature. But never forget that this position of being seen by our Heavenly Father as being holy, blameless, and upright is not because we're such good people. It's only possible because of the path of repentance that the Lord has established, which goes through the blood of His Son. Your friend in Christ, Brother Bob, a sinner saved by grace who continually finds himself in the throne room of Christ, getting washed clean by the precious blood of the Lamb. Again, you can reach me at brobob number 4 him at gmail.com. That's brobob number 4 him at gmail.com.